Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to Tech People. This week, I'm delighted to bring Andy Skipper on the show, who's the founder and chief CTO coach at CTO Craft, which is the UK's first learning and coaching network built for engineering managers, CTOs, and tech leads. Andy is going to talk to us about the major challenges facing CTOs today and some of the solutions to overcome these challenges. So welcome to the show, Andy. Hey there, Ken. Thanks for having me. No, oh, thank you. Listen, could you give us a bit about a bit of background about yourself and who you are, please? Yeah, sure. So I um, I have been a CTO of one form or another since 2006, so mainly in startups. Um, I was the CTO at, uh, at Made.com, which is a designer furniture retailer, and then uh, uh, worked at Comic Relief for a while as their first CTO um, oh, and basically oversaw the, the team there. And now I'm completely focused on coaching and mentoring and, uh, and the occasional bit of interim and fractional CTO work. Awesome. And if you don't mind my asking, why did you go that route? Mainly because of the love of coaching. So essentially, I um, coached on a pro bono basis through my, my network of uh, VCs and other founders for a good three or four years before going full time. And I just learned that I, um, I really enjoyed it. I'd always used coaching as a, a core part of my, my leadership when I was uh, in CTO roles. And so it, it was, just felt like a, a natural progression. And because I have the, the context of being a CTO, I focus on CTOs. That's where it came from, really. Awesome. Yeah, no, listen, it's fantastic to find when you're passionate about something, be able to follow up and actually do it. That's and commercially viable as well, which is important. Listen, I know you're speaking to CTOs every day of the week and you're helping them with all sorts of challenges. Um, and the purpose of the podcast today would be great if you could share some of that knowledge and experience with um, our listeners. And maybe you could talk to maybe some of the major challenges that are faced today. Um, yeah. Can, yeah. There are plenty of them at the <laughs> moment. You know, I think the uh, the most obvious thing that's going on at the moment is the um, the fact that every company has suddenly become a distributed company. Yeah. And um, everybody now is having to, to figure out how their, their culture adapts to having all of their workers working remotely. And, you know, planning for when that becomes less of a thing. Do they stay 100% remote? Do they go hybrid, et cetera, et cetera? But I think a lot of the, the CTOs in the network are struggling with um, morale and motivating people who are remote is, is much more difficult. And so, yeah, that, that seems to be the biggest problem at the moment. Yeah, interesting. And... You know, in terms of resolving those problems, then, I mean, I know there's a number of different ways you can look at it, but there's a couple of problems there. One is definitely the technology, I guess, the aspect in terms of having the infrastructure in place. And then how do you actually manage those things? So, I mean, could you share some ideas that you're working on with these, or what, what's working, what's not working? Yeah, well, it's, uh, the, I think the biggest problem is that nobody really knows when it's going to end or if it does end, what it's going to look like beyond that. So really, I've been focusing with with the people that I work with on building their resilience. You know, I think when 
when the lockdown came in, it was hard to, to stomach for a lot of them. A lot of them had to make a lot of redundancies. A lot of them got made redundant themselves. And so um, there was uh, just a, a gap there in terms of their ability to deal with such big changes and such difficult times. At the moment, I think um, people are, they're finding their way into the, the new role of being a, a leader of a distributed team. You know, they're figuring out new tricks. They're, um, they're talking to other people who've done this in the, who's done, done it in the past and um, getting views from them. But um, yeah, it, it's still very difficult. I guess some companies would find it more difficult than others. Would that be the case? Or would that be? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think especially tech-enabled companies rather than tech-first companies. You know, I think um, the way of working remotely in the distributed nature seems to seems to be more prevalent in uh, engineering-led companies, whereas companies who use technology to to forward something else, you know, they they tend to be a, a bit more traditional, a bit more centralized than decentralized. And so they they found it culturally difficult as well. But I think another big problem is that working in a distributed way well requires a lot of trust. Yeah. And it requires a, a change of communication style, change of management. And a lot of companies just don't have that experience. They're just not used to uh, that asynchronous way of working, essentially. So yeah, it's it's difficult. And how about the infrastructure side of things? How are companies managing in that space then? Yeah, some of them are really struggling actually. So a lot of um, again, tech-enabled companies or you know more more established old-school companies, they have a lot of internal IT, and so they've been um, they've been flexing on their um, on what might have been more stringent kind of security protocols and and that kind of thing to allow people to use cloud-based services and you know everyone talks via Zoom or Hangouts or whatever rather than having to um, to use a, a secure a secure line or um, you know using a meeting room in their office so yeah it's a very different world wow interesting and yeah you know what, what are your thoughts or what's kind of the general feedback in terms of the future in terms of you know is this going to be the new norm do you think or are a lot of companies going to go back to normality afterwards and have people back in the office again so I've certainly heard a lot of companies saying that they're actually appreciating the, the flexibility of, of being at least partly remote. A lot of companies that I've spoken to as well are, are not going to continue their leases on their office space. They're actually looking at, um, at hybrid office spaces where they can flex up and down if they need to, but essentially they don't, not intending to have a fixed home. Um, which is interesting. You know, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty big seed change when the, the lockdown comes up one way or another i don't think it's likely we'll see all the companies staying 100 percent remote you know i think that's that's probably unlikely but yeah it, it's certainly people are planning for more remoteness well and how about the challenges with talent then i mean i'm trying to keep and retain talent are people are they losing talent out there or is that not the case yeah i mean a lot of people are currently on the market unfortunately <laughs> There have been a lot of redundancies, a lot of um, furloughs that have uh, not ended. And then um, at the same time, a lot of companies now have a lot more flexibility over where they hire people from. So where you might have to relocate to to London to get a job with some of the, the bigger startups, you now don't, don't have to. So in some ways, it's a positive. There's a, a much bigger playing field. Um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly very different. Wow. Do you ever talk about... Um, like? 
budgets and how you're managing budget and how we're budgeting for next year, even for like how are they preparing, how are CTOs preparing for 2021 with the uncertainty? Yes. That's a big one, I would say. It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's almost impossible to know what's going to come next year. So I think most of them are planning pretty much as they have been until now, you know, with the understanding that it's likely that all the plans will just go up in the air. And so it's, it's almost impossible, but um, yeah, difficult. Wow, Jesus. Yeah, because I don't know what I mean. Do you set a budget now and try and work towards it? But that will change again in a couple of months, I guess. That's what's happening. Yeah, some are definitely, um, they're pausing the whole budgeting process altogether. You know, I think just being pragmatic and just saying it isn't worthwhile putting the effort into this if we know it's going to be thrown away and, and looked at again in whatever it's going to be, three, four, six, 12 months. <laughs> But some people I know are, are just going ahead as they would have normally, and then they'll just adjust as they need to. Yeah, because the challenge I would have thought would be, you know, now that everything is going virtual, going online, is that you need to, uh, well, one, try and get up to speed somehow with technology and then try and keep up with it. And you need to invest, of course, for that. But I know you have to balance revenue and cost. But, uh, right. are, are companies looking at that? I've seen that angle or not the case? Your in some cases, in some cases, you know, I think a, a lot of the the spare innovation budget <laughs> suddenly isn't there anymore. So I think a lot of that kind of research and development, especially in startups and and um, and scaling startups, they're um, they're not as fat in, as they had been those budgets. So um, there's a lot less experimentation, I guess. But I think that'll start to change, even if the lockdown stays in. I think people will then um, will start spending more money on on that sort of stuff again in the future, and there doesn't seem seem to be a shortage of new startups coming coming about in this uh, ecosystem as well. You know, and, and those those guys will be innovating constantly. So yeah, yeah, which is good, which we need to keep that going. Yes. That ecosystem. How about um, are they facing challenges in terms of getting funding? Is that funding? Yeah. Yeah. So from what I understand, it's starting to improve, but you know, the last the last nine months or so has been very, very different in terms of funding availability and um, the ease of getting over the line. I've, I've heard of at least seven or eight Series A rounds that have just fallen apart at the last hurdle over the course of the nine month, last nine months, whereas usually they would have just gone straight through. Mm. And in terms of the, you know, the new technologies and what these CTOs are focusing on now, is it mostly kind of cloud and data stuff? Or, or well, I suppose security will be a big one also. What are the technologies we're looking at now? Yeah, so security definitely is featuring a lot more in the conversations that I have with uh, CTOs than it had been before. You know, I think especially for the older school companies where they had all their data in a, you know, in a, a server room in their office and under lock and key and, and a five backups and a fireproof safe, you know, every, everything's now cloud-based so they're they're thinking about how to ensure that stays secure and so on in terms of other stuff that people are looking at there's still a lot of interest in uh, the use of ai and ml and data science and so on um, but other than that there's not been a huge amount of change you know it's still mobile apps and uh, cloud-based services and so on and so forth it's all the same yeah interesting so more well still is a big Thing, as in companies are behind the curve in mobile and, and investing in mobile, is it that kind of, those kind of apps? Or that's, that's kind of just maintaining budgets in those kind of areas? 
Yeah, no, I think um, if they're a, a mobile first company, they'll not have reduced their spend on uh, research in that area or development in that area. And um, yeah, no, I think it's just a, a general area that people are, are focusing on. In terms of the, you know, you're coaching CTOs, I mean, how does that work exactly? Are you coaching them in terms of, you know, how to manage resourcing, how to plan ahead? In that space, if you could tell us a bit about the coaching, you agree? Yeah, so it's it's pretty broad, actually. So it is stuff like that. It is te- technical skills as a senior leader, you know, um, including budgeting and board reporting and measurements and that kind of stuff. But it's also soft skills. So a lot of the people who get up to CTO level in startups are technologists you kind of taken on some leadership responsibilities, but don't really have the experience of, of using them. A lot of it is around how to actually lead people and how to motivate people, how to manage themselves, manage their energy levels, that kind of stuff. And a lot of, um, a lot of stuff around burnout and stress levels and that sort of thing. Wow, okay. So burnout among CTOs is actually pretty, pretty high in first time CTOs. So there's a lot of work we do with people in that situation. No, that is difficult, right? I suppose working from home doesn't help. No, there is indeed. No, right? I suppose that's, that's the issue really, is there's no divide at home, is it? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a lot of that since the lockdown was coming. People not being able to to switch off or you know, compartmentalize the work from the, the home life. It's very difficult. Yeah, it is a challenge. Well, I suppose there's all just pros and cons with home working, and that definitely is a challenge. No doubt about it. I can see that myself. Yeah, so tell us, I mean, in your experience, well, I know it's difficult in the current situation, but what are the future trends? Well, you're seeing a lot more interest in um, businesses that offer services um, to enable remote work. So, you mm-hmm. know, one, one of these is, um, is Hopin, which is a, a virtual yeah. conference system. And they, you know, after eight months of, of their life, they uh, are now worth something like $2.1 billion. And essentially, it, it's a platform to enable conferences to happen remotely and i think we'll see a, a lot more um browser-based virtual working kind of services like that i think that there'll be a lot of a lot of companies working with stuff like web rtc and um, online networking and, um, and and so on and so forth um, and just just general project management tools and that kind of thing i think will become very very uh, very prevalent especially if the lockdown continues into next year, we'll have to find new ways of supporting teams that are working completely remotely, which we don't already have. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And actually, you mentioned your tech events, and I know you do tech events yourself. How are tech events evolving now? And what's, where are they going for the future, do you think? Yeah. So a lot of uh, the meetups and the, um, the events organizers are now experimenting with different formats for online conferences. We, we have one coming up and that's, that's actually going to be hosted on Hopin. But it, it basically means you can, so it has, has a number of benefits as well as a number of drawbacks. So for example, um, you can pre-record some sessions in a conference where you, you know, normally if you had a stage and a, a set of speakers, they would be delivering everything live, but right. um, you can mitigate some problems with that. But then you, you know, you have concerns over connectivity and, and distraction from, from the attendees' point of view. You know, you have to do a lot more to keep their attention when they pay to visit a, an in-person conference. Essentially, they're, they're there, they're in the room with you and they're, they're locked in. You have their attention. If they're sat at home consuming some of that content remotely, then they're flicking between that and their 
their work or you know other mm-hmm. other channels so mm-hmm. it, it is a bit more difficult um but it has opened the playing field as well so our, our conference that we're about to run um we've uh, we've got a lot of attendees already signed up from the united states for example and from the far east that we would never normally have mm-hmm. because it's online so yeah yeah brilliant so do you think but do you, do you see it going back to an in-house event as an event that you attend in the future after COVID? Or do you think you might stay online or you don't know at this stage? We'll see how it goes. Difficult to say. I think uh, at the very least, we would keep the online stuff. So we, we may start running um, in-person ones again, but we'll probably keep the the online conferences as well. And I think it, it opens up a, a large realm of possibilities in terms of who can join, not just from attendees, but from speakers as well. So I think it's it's worthwhile worthwhile keeping those in the the arsenal. Okay, great, Andy. Listen, thank you for your time today. If uh, somebody wants to reach out, um, how, what's the best way to get in touch? Best way to get in touch is to go to ctocraft.com, and yeah, please do check out the conference that's coming up. Great. All right, Andy. Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Ken. Mm-hmm.